0: Welcome back to Odd Trilogies with Logan and Andy. I'm Logan Sowash. And I'm Andy Carr. And on Odd Trilogies, we take a trio of films, whether tied by cast and crew, thematic elements, or even numerical order. We talk about each film and discuss the good, the bad, and the weird surrounding them. And today, you might be wondering if you've been listening you know, chronologically, which we appreciate, but you probably wonder there's a little bit of a gap between yeah. our last episode and this episode. And there's a lot of reasons for that. But before we explain that, I want to talk about... What our trilogy is. Right. In case you don't know, we are doing uh, Park Chun-Wook's Vengeance Trilogy, a trilogy we wanted to do last year. Yeah. This has been a, a yes.
1: trilogy very near and dear to us for a while. On yes. The pod.
0: So Park Chun-Wook is a very acclaimed Korean director who, if you are big in the arts, especially with independent films last year or at least, you know, you know limited release films. There was a film last year called Decision to Leave, mm-hmm. which was his most recent film which is also, I think, for both of us. Or at least it might have just missed your top ten. It was in my top ten of last year. It was number two for me. It's probably... I mean, the man has a bunch of incredible films surrounding it. It's probably one of my favorites of his filmography. But we won't be talking about Decision to Leave today. We will be talking about (laughs) his most, I would say, notorious trilogy, and the only trilogy in his filmography because of what it talks about. And those films are... 2002's Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance, 2003's Old Boy, and 2005's Lady Vengeance, or Sympathy for Lady Vengeance, depending on which (laughs) copy you have. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Because when I watch this... My the copy says Lady Vengeance, and then I watched it, and then the title was just different. And I was like, that's fine. Yeah. That makes sense. I think sense.
1: Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance also is a different title in Korea, like Vengeance is Mine or something I like that. I mean, that would make sense, so too. So it's like, yeah, I think maybe yeah. maybe all three of these movies have mm-hmm. multiple titles. It's but funny
0: to think that like, the the American titles are trying to keep the vengeance clearly. clearly. And yeah.
1: then there's just Old Boy. Old Boy, yeah. Which is which yes, uh, of the three, definitely, from a at least a global cultural standpoint, stands on its own the most. Yes, most yes. people, if they've seen one of these, they've seen Old Boy. Mm-hmm. I think Old Boy is, I don't know, at least for men of our generation, like a huge like kind of entry into I love movies. <laughs> like if you're a cinephile, it- Old Boy is one of the big ones you want to check off. It's
0: surprising to think that, like, there is probably an alternate reality where, like, on the same level as, like, an NWA or Bob Marley poster, there is on a, almost (laughs) like a cinephile level, there is an old boy poster. Never met a lot of people that had an old boy poster, but I knew a lot of people in college that knew of old boy. Right, I mean, I've just heard
1: all of my life like ever since hitting puberty just oh you gotta see old boy it's so yeah. violent and fucked I'm, up and cool this
0: is probably this was when i first saw this film hilarious which i think was probably a decade ago maybe a mm. little bit uh, more but this was probably my introduction to korean cinema Oh, sure. in terms yeah. of just, like his accessibility because yeah. i think another thing too as to why old boy is the most known of the three is because the other two while it is a trilogy it's not a it's not an ongoing story. They're a right, trilogy because right. these are three different stories pertaining to what vengeance does to a person, the ethics surrounding a person who wants vengeance as well as the people they're going after, yeah. as well as the morality and atonement as well as what vengeance like this can do to a person right. and the people around them. And with Park Chan-wook being such an incredible director, you have three vastly different versions of that question. What does vengeance do to a person? Yeah. And just a basic level. And with old boy, thankfully it is, you know, you can just jump right into that one and not have to worry about seeing the other two. But with this trilogy, we wanted to talk about it because not only is Park just an acclaimed director, especially in Korea, yeah. but also because like neither one of us had seen the other two or in your case any of them yeah, yeah. so going into it, it's like i don't already seen old boy mm. love old boy and was like i would love to talk about this if you're down for it and you were and so last year we thought <laughs> oh this will be easy we'll just go one two three we'll watch you know we'll watch them together it should be easy peasy we watched the first film and we go oh well you know that happened but you know <laughs> at least you know we watched it we can go into the next one and then we found out, <laughs> yeah, that uh, here's something that's you know it happens a lot with films, especially with foreign films with American distribution. Uh, Old Boy didn't have any distribution in the states. Right, it was switching over. I believe now Neon does have the distribution for home release. Yeah, so hopefully, I
1: think we'll be seeing a North fin- American physical release.
0: Fingers fucking crossed. I hope so because yeah. I would love if it's a 20th anniversary edition. I will buy it. Yeah, because that's cool as hell. But basically last year we found out <laughs> when, We when in the midst uh, of our trilogy we yeah. found
1: out we weren't going to be able to watch in the, two of them in
0: the midst of the vengeance and sadness we've already put upon ourselves we yeah. realized another sadness and that was uh distribution rights right which right. we uh only know so much about but we at least knew that if we wanted to watch old boy it couldn't have been legally <laughs> so that's when we decided to do uh rise of bang junho last year yeah. which yeah. i think is a Perfect replacement because it's another Korean director that we both enjoy and wanted to talk about.
1: Yeah, and well, and I think it was roughly a year ago, yeah, that we tried to do this the first time.
0: And it's what's also crazy about so this trilogy kind of a too. Little anniversary, it is. And what's also crazy about this trilogy is even though we record live always, when we are recording this, it is actually Park chan woke's birthday his 60th oh, birthday wow i Happy know birthday i wish we could have planned that out that would have been cheeky and fun but it's fun <laughs> how these little coincidences happen yeah but wow. uh yeah he's been more in the ether currently and in media because of the 20th anniversary of old boy yeah you know he's done a lot of interview stuff i just watched his video today about letterboxd like his four favorite films and of oh, course right, right. being the ki- type of guy he is he literally is just like I can't pick that. So I'm going to pick yeah. four films I like that I've seen this year yeah. or this month. And he picked, like, a Robert Wise film, a Western <laughs> uh, Jacques Tati film, and then uh, the, I think The Fifth Seal, which is in Hungarian drama. Oh. And it's like, of course, this man has watched four vastly different <laughs> genres in vastly different uh, yeah. countries, but it's it's phenomenal. I'm sure he's just constantly consuming stuff all over the place. Yeah. I, I, I bet he has the same mentality as Scorsese of like trying to consume at least a movie a day. Yeah. But he also has the energy of like, it's not going to uh, become a foreboding notion that he'll never be able to consume at all. <laughs> like right, I think right, Scorsese's right. hitting currently. Yeah. Um,
1: well, he's also, Scorsese's also like, I'm not going to be able to make it all.
0: <laughs> Which is understandable. Yeah. I, I can see that too. Yeah. Which, um, But yeah, so with this trilogy, we decided this year, you know, now that the 20th anniversary is happening, it felt like the perfect time to jump back into it. The film
1: actually re-released in theaters over the past week yeah, or week and a Mm half-ish.
0: And if we had forced ourselves, we could have probably gotten this episode out last week while it was still in theaters, but we were both busy. Yeah, yeah. So we thought we'd give ourselves some time. Time to reflect on Vengeance. Yes, as well as watch the other two films, which thank God that time was given, at least to me, because I haven't told Andy this, but basically when we were watching these (laughs) films, um, we, we both planned to see Old Boy in theaters, which we did. And we'll talk more about that experience when we get to Old Boy, but in the process of getting Old Boy tickets, I found out that Arrow Video, a distribution company that does pretty much kind of similar things that Criterion does, but sometimes it could be like usually a little more, more genre, yeah, niche yeah. genre. And it's, if it's any director that you know, it might be their more, like Andy said, kind of niche yeah. stuff. And I realized that Arrow had done a Vengeance trilogy in the UK. And yeah. so I thought, Oh, I'll just buy the D V D, the Blu rays. It's like forty five for all three of them. Because it's still you can't get Old Boy yet because they haven't re released right, it in right. like Blu ray D V D. So I thought, okay, I'll have that and you know it'll make it easier to watch all these films. <laughs> Little did I know. <laughs> uh even though uh I'm I am a quote unquote gamer, as like Andy would love to say <laughs> to all of our friends. Um, and I have a PlayStation that has uh, region free, which means I can pretty much anyone that has a PlayStation can play a video game from any other country. Uh, Playstations are region locked, so ah. you actually can only watch North American Blu-rays, or if it's from another country, that they have to specifically make it region free. Yeah. And my Vengeance trilogy is not region free. It's uh, so. it's like
1: a, it's like regular Blu-ray, right? Like H, like 1080p Blu-ray. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I think with 4k they eliminated region lock so any 4k disc is region free so guess what i get when i I get
0: that ps5 (laughs) it'll never be a problem again (laughs) but uh yeah so basically after we all we we hung out with friends and we did uh we hung out tuesday night and i decided i'll just i'll watch mr vengeance tonight and then i'll watch lady vengeance another time uh or monday night and then I tried to watch Mr. Vengeance, and it kept booting me out. Uh, And then I was like – I was freaking out because I was like, I've never had that happen before. Right, right. Because, like, I have – I think just by happenstance, and I think due to demand, I have, like, an Australian set of the Jurassic Park trilogy – I have like Universal Monsters, like a UK set oh, okay. of like the eight classics. And those work. Those work. Huh. They're region free. Again, oh, you have to okay. you have to specifically so do. The disc region. itself might be yes. Yeah, and then I found out that because when I put in my Old Boy and Lady Vengeance discs, um, they say this does not, this right. does not, com- this is not compatible with your Blu-ray right, player. Right. So this is an this isn't an advertisement for Tubi, but I am going to say <laughs> thank you for Tubi because yeah. it's a free streaming service that while you have to watch both Mr. Vengeance and Lady Vengeance with ads, they're not as intrusive, and also I was able to watch these films again. Yeah. Because now, even though last year we could rent Mr. Vengeance and Lady Vengeance, uh, you can't do that anymore on Amazon. Yeah. So... It's fun how distribution rights and streaming rights constantly floating around. It's it's the type of stuff that like I've literally brought this up to like friends and my girlfriend recently, and they're like, "This is so weirdly intricate. I did not know this is how this works." Right, right. And it's like, I, that's even it's scratching only, the it, surface. It's only if
1: you're the type of person who has looked for a particular movie multiple times. Yeah, I like you know, yeah, and only a specific type of person does that that's i mean that's, that's andy's nicest
0: are. way of saying i'm a fucking nerd which is correct. No, i mean i do it too i know like, we're, we're both nerds saying, yeah. with, and i was like of course most of our is,
1: friends are not
0: that curious <laughs> <laughs> well yeah most of our friends are just gonna be like why would i buy a uk box set uh, right and it's right. like because there's just it's not available <laughs> yeah yeah but yes uh it is one of those things where it's like well i'm not gonna pay 130 for a region free blu-ray player i am just gonna use <laughs> Our Lord and Savior of this episode, Tubi, Tubi. to uh, not talk about these films, but you not know, sponsored if they're at interested. all. I appreciate it. I was worried because I've always because I think you you tried Pluto TV once and didn't have a great experience. Yeah, I can't remember what that was uh, for. I don't. I think it was maybe for this podcast as well. I think you were trying to watch something. Yeah, for it, but you had a hard time with that. So I thought Tubi would be the same way. And honestly, it's pretty intuitive. It's just free, so like yeah, you know, it has it's intrusive like every, ads
1: every. 10 minutes or so. Yeah, I think it Gives you like three, four minutes of ads. I, I think it
0: was like 15. I think I timed it at one point out of yeah. curiosity. And to be honest, to be completely honest, it's this trilogy that I'm okay with that. Because yeah. re watching uh, Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance. <laughs> you needed um, those breaks. Yes. Uh, this was a <laughs> film where, like, I enjoyed all the silly eHarmony or Kroger or whatever fucking the ad. levity. Because it was levity. Yeah, because the yeah. thing about this trilogy, too, is, like, it. I think nine times out of ten when you have a trilogy that isn't tied by one, two, three, and it's mainly thematic, chances are if it's done by the same director, they will try to one-up themselves. And with a film trilogy about vengeance, you would assume that the hardest film about vengeance would probably be Lady Vengeance, mm-hmm. the third film. However, I would argue that the hardest film in this trilogy to watch is by far the first film. Yeah, I would the say first it's film in descending order. Yes, I would say I was just. When we tried to do this trilogy last year, Andy and I had to stop an hour in because we had to, as a defense mechanism, laugh because we could not believe how fucking sad it got. Yeah. From this point on, spoilers are plenty. We just right, have to right. fucking you talk about really, these films. Yeah. Because especially with this film, this film is, I would say, the most intricate of the three. Because if I'm trying to explain. Old Boy or Lady Vengeance, I could do it in a sentence. Yeah, I think it's the
1: hardest to Mm -hmm. pick apart, like, like explain what it's going for. Yes, Uh,
0: because it's like, Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance is a film that Park Chan-wook is like, this is a passion project for him. As a director in the 90s, he had, I think, two films that were failures and was sick of making failing films, so he did a film in 2000 called Joint Security Area, which is basically... A political thriller involving like a North Korean soldier, like detective, and a South Korean soldier detective. Trying to figure out a murder that happened near the border. Yeah, uh, pretty much Park Chan Wook. That everywhere he talks about this is almost like it's a for hire job. Yeah, that's in certainly his career. The way he talks about it
1: now. Yes, um, which
0: I still bought the film and I honestly can't wait to watch it. Yeah, I've heard nothing but great things I, about I, it. I, I have, don't think I've yet to see what a for hire Park Chan Wook film would look like, <laughs> and now I'm curious. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. it also has Song kong Ho, our Lord and Savior, right, as well. Right, one of our favorite back pocket, you know. <laughs> actors to see in anything and so
1: you can see just in like the premise of joint security area that that would be something that's you know a little bit more wide appeal in the korean market absolutely Um, certainly just more just easier to sell um and so yeah yeah, at least the way he kind of talks about it now is like well i did that to you know get on the map, get on somebody's register. And it worked. And yeah. it worked. It was very he, successful. He, um, he got
0: carte blanche. He's, they literally was, told it him. It was
1: the most successful Korean film of all time up to, I up to that point. It would not I
0: surprise me because considering what he basically gets after this film, which is basically free reign. Yeah. He's like, Park Chan, at one point, is like told by the studio, you can do whatever you want. And especially if it's low budget, ab- do whatever the fuck you want. It's not gonna, <laughs> you're not going to stop us. And it's like, okay, I'm gonna do a low budget revenge thriller about a deaf mute man who kidnaps a child to get money so he can help his sister not die from kidney failure. Yeah. And he also has a best friend slash lover who is a communist. <laughs> oh yeah. And it's at that point when I'm trying to explain that that, that is just the that is just the surface level. Because you also add the fact that he is stupid. They constantly say that he's not mentally disabled, he's just stupid. He's just an idiot. He's just an idiot. And it's fucking fascinating every time they have to not really stop the film, but it's just like, well, to be frank, he's not mentally disabled, he's just stupid. I think there's two or three times it's brought up. And I I have a
1: hard time. I don't know. know, It could be a, a kind of cultural divide. I had a hard time telling if that was meant to be like really just sardonic humor I, or if I it's think. just a difference in how they refer to you know different intellectual levels over there and that sort of thing um I, yeah, yeah. I think it was very much yeah. like if there's something funny about this movie, it's the fact that it just keeps mm-hmm. hammering home how much of an idiot he is
0: well if you if you don't know there's a <laughs> there's another character in the film he has a small part, but he is mentally disabled oh yeah and he's at the river he has cerebral palsy because apparently the actor doesn't have cerebral palsy but he actually studied how that affects people if you do you know what his name is in the film because if you look up the cast list you can absolutely tell who he is because it's 2002 (laughs) you know exactly how they're going to describe that man in the credits i don't remember his name uh it there's no name for him but it just like look for a man at river and there's a descriptor right before it that you know exactly what it means because it's like oh it's 2002 of course they're not gonna be not blunt about it yeah (laughs) so we could see um but basically yeah let's just scratch the surface of the film because in this film in the first hour basically this is a film that has dual protagonists you have um you have the deaf mute uh brother played by i'm gonna look at the name because i don't want to butcher it shin ha Kyun, who plays ryu yeah and the first hour is about him. And then the second hour is played by our boy, Song Kong Ho, who plays the boss of the guy that fired Ryu unceremoniously at his, like, ironworks right. welding job, He's his electronics like the, job. Yeah, the press is president of the company yes. that uh, yeah.
1: Ryu worked for.
0: And so basically what ultimately happens is that uh, Ryu kidnaps Song Kong hos character's daughter and is asking for a hefty amount of money because he just spent money on a deal that went bad to help his sister. And then it just so happens 20 days after he made a bad deal, uh, that money that could have saved his sister now needs, now needs to save his sister. And so he needs to yeah. find the money again yeah. and thinks kidnapping is the way to do it. And ultimately, uh, it, there's no happy ending to this film, is the best way to put it. Yeah, it's this kind of is, it's it is um, it's depressing. Uh,
1: yeah, <laughs> um, I would say like a recent touchstone for like just the kind of snowball effect of the plot is like uncut gems. Yeah. In where it's like one bad decision leads to two bad decisions leads to fifty thousand things going wrong and nothing yeah. goes right um it's, it's it's not that yeah hectic mm-hmm. uh, like uncut gems and it's way more depressing than Uncut <laughs> Gems. but it is that kind of like okay everything is
0: just gonna go south from here cool. yeah it's like yeah it's actually a good way to put it it's like a safety brothers film almost yeah because yeah. it's, it's got it's got that good time uncut gems vibe of like you were just following someone you really do not like yeah and Ryu's um, not a
1: particularly rootable character,
0: yeah, because I mean, because Ryu in the film is honestly the actor does an incredible job yes, conveying so much with no noise mainly and usually yeah. when he does scream, it is or you know convey noise, it is very just heartbreaking and also an intense scene because he barely talks at all yeah. or makes any, yeah. or makes any noise, but like just the intense face he has. To the point where, like, this actor does show up later in another one of these films as, like, a cameo. And as soon as I saw the face, I knew it was him because I was like, wait a minute. I've seen those intense eyes before, and it's the <laughs> same guy. And, um, yeah, its I'm just trying to think of where to start with this one besides all that. Because, like, the experience watching this the first time, thankfully... The way that I've described it to people like watching through the second time afterwards, the first time watching Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance is like watching someone slip on a banana peel and fall down the stairs and go, well, that couldn't happen to me again. And then another banana peel shows up and that keeps happening for another hour and forty minutes after that yeah. first banana peel. And it's like not funny. <laughs> no no. And the film does have it's just painful. It does have funny moments, yeah, but it yeah. does not hold on that. Actually, this is the darkest humor wise. Yeah. Because there is a scene in this film. It's I would arguably say it's the funniest scene in the film and that it immediately cuts to just downright sad. Where it's a bunch of like college age dudes jerking off in the same room together but not looking at one each other because they don't want it to be gay like because it's of course early 2000s but like they even have like some of the guys i think have like pinups and swimsuit models like taped on the back of their heads (laughs) and it's goofy and funny until you realize that the moans that they're healing hearing from a woman across the hall is fucking ryu's sister in pain because of her kidneys hurting and it's like uh, fuck yeah. <laughs> this film just won't get like i mean this time around i laughed because i was like i don't think any line conveys the tone of this film better than later on in the film uh, when we follow song kong ho's character he finds a child who nearly dies and takes him to a hospital and it almost feels like it's trying to be a redemptive moment mm-hmm. and ultimately he asked the doctor like um, you know, how, how's this boy look, whatnot. And the doctor just outright says, if I were an optimistic man, I'd say he's going to live a long life. And just says it at just the baseline, <laughs> like, deadpan. And it's like, Jesus Christ, yeah. that's horrible. <laughs> that's funny, too, but that's also, like, not trying to be funny. It's why? <laughs> why yeah. does it have to be this way? And ultimately, it's clear that that's what John Wick's trying to do, because then you watch... Old boy, you watch Lady Vengeance, and there's airs of that, but much better executed. Mm -hmm. So, like, clearly this is definitely the first film in this trilogy because a lot of the ideas that are here, while there are some great deconstructions on the idea of ethics in terms of how far is going too far and really how far does the kind of the phrase eye for an eye could really go when you're trying to make amends or try to get redemption or vengeance out of someone who's wronged you – Ultimately, all those things happen in Old Boy and Lady Vengeance, as well as other things, better. Yeah. Like, this is definitely, like, the weakest, quote-unquote, but I still think this film is great. Like, I don't regret watching it twice, but I also don't think I will go out of my way out of all three of these films mm-hmm. to watch it again, unless I'm really just, like, <laughs> someone really wants to watch it, and I don't want them to watch it by themselves. <laughs> yeah. I. Yeah. I.
1: I mm. – this one is definitely the hardest to watch. Yes, um, I agree. By far. Um,
0: That's why the Tubi ads, they really just, <laughs> they give every time there was a fade to black, I was like, oh, thank God, there's going to be some ads. At least 30 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> give that to me. At least this the solace.
1: Well, and I think this one is also the most, um, it's kind of the most nebulous in, in the sense that it's like, it's kind of just a portrait of vengeance and it's not yes. necessarily like yes i mean i'm, I'm sure park chenwick could tell us that there is a thesis to the film but it feels less like an argument about the idea of vengeance than the other two do where mm-hmm. the other two feel like kind of making a very specific comment on the cycles of vengeance this is kind of just here's here's what happens when vengeance is your Mo.
0: Yeah, it really feels like because I think it's always, I, I, it's not really something that's I think told in schools, but I think it's mainly told in media. Uh, that's not a male power fantasy about vengeance. When discussing vengeance outside of that kind of microcosm of like, oh, that guy's dog just got killed, he's gonna fuck all those, <laughs> he's gonna fuck all those people up, and it's like, yeah. yeah, he should do that, and we shouldn't talk about the mental repercussions about <laughs> right. all this at all. Once you get out of that bubble, nine times out of ten, most American media at least will talk about how vengeance only leads to you know, the hole that you're trying to fill with a quote-unquote justice is still just going to be a hole. But now you have maybe an even bigger hole because now you've become kind of your own type of monster. Yeah, right. And I think Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance, when trying to answer the question, um, what will vengeance do to a person... It basically, yeah. I think it. I think it's the most generalized answer, which is basically it, it's a vicious cycle. Right, yeah. Ultimately, where the film starts to go bad and things start to get interesting, ultimately, when it gets to the end loop, you're not surprised as to how this film ends. You're not surprised as to what happens to the characters or what they go through, because ultimately, at a certain point, you go from watching Ryu find out how to do a bad thing for a good person, and then it goes south And then you realize there's even something worse than South, and that's (laughs) maybe deep South or super South. (laughs) And then you cut to Song Kong Ho, and you realize you're about to watch a man go deep into sadness and go almost the same route in terms of finding out what's worse than South as the film finishes off. And ultimately gets to a point where there's not really anybody to root for. It's more of just watching... It's like people watching, but yeah, in the saddest yeah, way possible. That's
1: right. Yeah. It's very much just kind of a portrait of people stuck in mm-hmm. the cycles of vengeance.
0: Yeah. Because it's, it's ultimately, yeah, it's a, it's a film that is giving you the ideas and I think shows how, you know, how much fun it is as a trilogy per se. Cause it's like, after you get those basic ideas, it's like, okay, how would you handle this in a different scenario? Which, yeah. you know, leads to old boy and lady vengeance and, to be honest, I think both those films are better because it's like you get to have this film where you can kind of almost have all these amalgous ideas of vengeance just get thrown on the page mm-hmm. and be like, okay, now I've done that. Let's almost uh, guide it a little more. If we're going to do another film about vengeance, yeah, what is it going to be? Um, yeah. Which leads to our next film but until is there anything else you want to talk about with the first yeah, one we can we can talk yeah. about old boy yeah because uh sympathy for mr vengeance uh great film very sad yeah watch once at least uh definitely with somebody else because the it's experience a, will be it
1: is a singular experience yes, yeah. for sure
0: because i will say watching this film by myself even knowing what i was getting into i still kind of left like okay yeah <laughs> and kind of went to bed sad <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> even knowing i knew where it was gonna go but going into our next film, you know, discussing the idea of like, you know, answering the question what does vengeance do to a person? We now have a film that has not only a different interpretation of that question as well as the answer, but also has more of a foundation because while both Lady Vengeance and Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance are original works with Park Chan-wook as co-writer, Um, Old Boy is based off of a Japanese manga Mm -hmm. that basically deals with revenge and the basic premise of Old Boy is this adaptation is about a man who gets kidnapped and get placed in a, basically a prison that looks like a hotel room for 15 years. It's never told as to why he's put into this room until after those 15 years when he thinks he's able to find a way to break out of said prison uh, he just gets put in a random roof on a random Korean street and then has to basically work his way almost backwards, trying to figure out all the little things he found out while in prison, as well as try to readjust to being in modern society because he was basically confined in 1987 and gets brought out in 2002. So like, it's basically watching because Chan Wook describes the hero of Old Boy as a superhero in terms of the idea of like he is a man who is superhuman in terms of like, you know, strength, endurance, yeah, and in is, terms of his uh, like tenacity. Yeah, his he
1: rage is, and hatred
0: has made his body more powerful. The monster, I think, is what he describes yeah. himself as sometimes. And ultimately, what happens is uh, Chan Wook takes the story. Uh, this Japanese manga, and realizes, ah, you know, I just don't think the ending comes together and arguably is not as fucked up as it could be. I'd like to change that. Classic. And so we get into Old Boy uh, the, and his interpretation of the story. Arguably, from what I understand from the manga in terms of the changes, I think it's a much better story because of the last 20 minutes of this film. Yeah. <laughs> because basically, in in case you don't know again uh, spoilers aplenty, plenty but if you know about the hallway scene everyone knows about the hallway scene with the hammer it's incredibly well done i think um, it's it's literally i think my the youtube algorithm every other week just throws of like a like an a20 of 1080p version of that on my like suggested oh if yeah. i want to watch that and then if i watch that it'll show like the 2013 remake and i'm like get the fuck out of that i don't <laughs> right. want to see that um but if it's on top of that, I think a lot of people would know about Old Boy, and that is that it has some pretty, a pretty gnarly twist that really yeah. recontextualizes everything you've seen up until that point. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the kind of twist because I was talking to Andy about this because when we were doing this, hilariously, we've had a year since we tried to do this trilogy that. I could have found out that all he had, that Andy had never seen, old boy, and I didn't know until we were walking into the theater. <laughs> For some reason, it just didn't, because like we were going to see this film with a friend of ours, and he right. had to back out last minute because he was because he's a lot not of work. our real friend. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder. I'm not even going to tell him that you said that. I'm no, going to see if he listens. He'll listen. To he'll listen. I hope he does. Love you, buddy. But I couldn't. I couldn't stop that if I wanted to. <laughs> but basically we both ended up going by ourselves and as we're walking in i realized like you were talking to one of the uh, the theater staff a little bit more about the film yeah. the usual was like oh what you're talking about it's like yeah he was warning me about the film and i was like oh haven't you seen this and you're like i only know about the hallway scene and my well, it, I, it, a little more yeah, than that but yeah but like you were aware that was like the most prominent thing you were kind of aware of well my going in. my
1: impression of old boy was just you know like i mentioned earlier it's that kind of one of those sort of Entry level cinephile watch list picks. Um, yes, it's. It, I had always heard hyper violent, incredibly fucked up, really yeah. twisted and dark. Yeah, and I was like, mm-hmm. okay, okay, so this is like got to be one of the most you know fucked up things I've ever seen. Cool, got it. Um, and and, then and then you, I really thought that was mostly because of the violence. Um, yes, and yeah. then watching the movie. It's really not the violence.
0: No, 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 no. <laughs> the violence is graphic, but, compare again, compared yeah, to Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance, as right. well as yeah. just also how media is today. There's, yeah, it, there's so much other it's, more violent it's, stuff. It's definitely very violent for probably 2003 Korea. Sure. Uh, and definitely for someone who is just like, oh, I've never seen a Korean film before, and they yeah. fucking pick this. Yeah. Like, the idea of a thriller – Like And someone like an American watch, like a watcher, just being like, ooh, I mean, a Korean thriller, that could be bad. Let's watch it. And then you just watch a guy use a hammer to pull someone's teeth out. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a little – that is definitely good. The first thing you're going to think is, like, this is extremely violent. Yeah. Because it is violent. Yeah, I had heard but.
1: about that part and thought we were going to literally see all of it happen. Mm-hmm. Um, no. So it's... I was a little relieved that we didn't. But, like yeah.
0: – <laughs> Do you think there was an edit where there was more of that and Park was disappointed that he couldn't do it? <laughs> Maybe so. Maybe he couldn't get it to look He's like He's like, come on, guys. Let's just – let me do it. Let yeah. me do the whole – let me do his whole mouth. I know yeah. he won't. But I remember
1: – well, in – there, he did a interview – by Nicholas Winding Refn. God, that's uh, for this re release <laughs> yes, uh, that they did. play after the movie, and in that he's talking because Refn's like, um, uh, he's like, well, is the, you know, I think this movie's a masterpiece, but twenty years later, is there anything you would do differently? And Park Chan Wook's just like, well, if I were to do something differently, I would make the the set for the final, the finale, more grand and expensive yeah he wanted it to <laughs> like be he just he, wanted it to yeah. be cooler he
0: wanted it to be bigger and they yeah. and they basically said we have to cap it. yeah you. he was like
1: this is the budget he man.
0: wanted to have i think he wanted not a kind of a lazy river that just goes yeah through the he entire... wanted a one
1: lane lap pool ...to go the entire length of the room.
0: That is... And again, and it's funny to think that when you watch the end of the film... ...you're like, my God, this is an exquisite fucking apartment set. Right. This yeah. looks great. Yeah. And to think that he wanted to be even more exquisite. Yeah. When
1: well, the, and that just that that's his one quote-unquote yeah. regret... ...is like, oh, I wanted the set to be nicer.
0: It's one of the reasons <laughs> why I love Park Chun-Wook... ...because just like any time he talks about his film... ...it's not... He talks about other people's work like a fan and like you know with this kind of a mystified like oh i just love how they yeah. did this and like the structure this and that and yeah. just like he is a he is a fan he is a film fan and loves any genre any decade like he just you could, yeah. I bet you could pick his brain about anything.
1: Yeah. But when he talks about his own
0: films, it is just matter of fact. It's
1: just work. A lot of the time. Yeah, he's like, it's he's, like the, yeah. the poetry of his own work is lost <laughs> on him.
0: And um, one of the best examples of that interview that, he's ta- that Andy's talking about is the hallway scene, in case you're still listening and you don't know what we're talking about. There is a long one-shot that is basically you, our protagonist, with a hammer just going to town on at least 20 guys like let's say 10 on each side of him and he's just basically throwing them around and rag kind of a it's
1: kind of like a side scrolling almost like a beat-em-up video game where he's going from left to right across the screen and it's all one
0: shot it's mainly one shot i think there's a little bit of cgi i heard that basically there's a shot in that scene or there's a moment in that scene where he gets stabbed by a knife, and I believe that knife is supposed to be CG. Mm. Like, they couldn't find a way to like get it stuck, get it stuck there, so, so like they added stay. it later. Which looks If that's true, that looks incredible. Yeah, but does. basically when Nicholas Wanning ruffin is just just gassing him up about how great this hallway scene is, how everyone talks about it. It's one of the best action scenes in the last it 20 years. It is iconic, and it's an incre-
1: influenced so many movies. Yeah,
0: it's an incredible scene. Park Channel wooks response is, Oh, I did it like that because I was lazy. Yeah, like he was just like, I didn't like I had all these intricate setups and I just didn't like how it looked. And then I saw my lead actor getting tired during rehearsal and went, that's what I want. I want a man to be at the brink of his own exhaustion as well as fighting 20 dudes and one take. And you know what? My lead actor thank god he didn't say no because he should have afterwards yeah (laughs) because i think they do it four or five times yeah i think he
1: said they rehearsed it four times and shot it on the fifth or something like that um but yeah if you had done different camera coverages you would have had to done do that fight way more times yeah like probably would have had to shoot it way longer
0: i would love to see if they even shot any of that, just what the or even just like if he remembers what the camera placement was supposed to be, like storyboards. yeah. but like honestly, it's also great not to know and just see what it comes because again, it's like it's like a classic movie moment like it is most yeah. classic movies have those moments where it's like this was not the plan, but this is what I'm feeling on set. We're gonna right, go for right. it. And I ultimately leads to clearly a scene that has led to most American action cinema at least most stunt coordinators have probably heard of or seen this scene yeah just I as mean, an
1: idea because like pe- people you know love to talk about the the hallway fight in daredevil like yes, that doesn't yes. exist without this movie no he, no no even literally the set in that scene is designed to look like the hallway in yeah. this movie yes it is
0: um and it's also it has the part it has the element that i think a lot of american action can forget about which is the human element, the exhaust. Mm -hmm. And just having your main character just be exhausted makes you be even more invested because there's a vulnerability that people can take advantage of. Right. Right. So the fact that you could have that moment, he can almost have a moment where it feels like he's not going to win. And then he just comes back up and that monster just rages down that hallway. Yeah. It's just so well done. It also helps with old boy that this film is, I completely forgot pretty fucking funny when it wants to be oh yeah this film is genuinely has silly moments that give the film's revenge narrative levity which like you've now heard with our take on sympathy for mr vengeance is very much needed yeah if you're gonna go down a path that is ultimately just gonna get darker and darker
1: yeah. well and our our third film is incredibly somber I yes. wouldn't say it's yes. as bleak as the others, but it's it's definitely more. Yeah. S- like, just the- kind of sad and, and, mm-hmm. and. There's one scene. Melancholy.
0: In, yeah, there's one scene in Lady of Vengeance I would say is pretty fucking bleak, but yeah. it's understandably bleak as to what needs to happen yeah. for the finale. This but... one
1: definitely feels like the zaniest. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, it feels
0: all... almost like it's based off of a manga, which I feel right. like is in- intentional in that regard. Well, and also,
1: there. this two-thirds maybe three-fourths of this movie are um deliberately dressed up as kind of your more conventional revenge thriller yes like yes. here's a guy who had a bad thing happen to him and now he's gonna fuck everyone up who caused it and mm-hmm. like you get to watch him do that for uh, an hour and a half or yeah. whatever yes and then the end throws that all back in your face and is like oh you thought that's what this was about yeah um and yeah, uh whereas the other two are very much more like I don't want to say reverent, but um they're less satirical. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. this
0: one is almost kind of parodying revenge movies. Even even if it's not even intentional cuz I think too is like with Park Chan-wook while it could be he also when he talks about Odaisu as a as a lead, he does he talks about him more of like I wasn't trying to necessarily make a protagonist with loose moral ethics and loose social ethics. Right. Seemed like a bad thing. It was more just fascinating to be like, what would this guy be like if, like, if... because like, yeah, like, you in a more traditional, quote, like, American version of this film, which there is one of well, this. Well, yeah. Which I we mean, there use. are also
1: plenty of Japanese and Korean and Hong Kong films Absolutely. that are like this, too. Yeah, um, yes. Before the subversion. I mean.
0: Yes, but it's, it's more like when people think of, like, almost like a caricature of a revenge protagonist yeah it never feels like it's going to go to a point where like they're not going to have some sort of levity or a success yeah like it feels like it'd be it's like most people go well it's too sad if we just went full-blown revenge doesn't lead to anything this person is only just going to get deeper and deeper into a hole yeah with while park john woke is just like no i think for the story it's so much more impactful if a man who believes he knows everything and knows he's had the upper hand of the antagonist literally not only has the rug pulled under him, but there's also nails under that rug, so he just gets impaled on something he could have never anticipated. Right. Leading to the big twist of the film, which is basically, in the original manga, I believe the big thing is that uh, Odaisu's character in the manga, I believe his name is Shintaro or Shinichi, um basically is it's similar to the film in terms of like he basically sees something as a kid tells his friend a rumor comes around that ultimately leads the antagonist's sister to kill herself yeah i believe
1: yeah and it's kind of like a bullying scenario yeah
0: in the manga i believe uh it's shinichi again there's very little now at this point in a cultural zeitgeist when you look up old boy the manga is not the first thing right i don't even think it's the third thing because the, the there's the american the remake. spike lee yeah. remake is so notorious people are just like what yeah. the fuck
1: a lot of yeah definitely a lot of people don't know that old boy is an adapted work
0: yes yes yeah. yeah. so like when i i was actually curious because i was like oh maybe i'll just read because, you know, when it comes to films like this where it's like, I really, it'd be fun just to read the manga initially. It's kind of hard to find, mm-hmm. especially in a physical copy. You can probably read it digitally if you can, but there's like eight or nine volumes. Yeah. So it's, it's a pretty long story, but ultimately in that story, um, I think it's revealed that um, the main character in the manga, his girlfriend is a hired actress that was yeah. hypnotized. To basically love him and to basically lead him down a path that would lead him down, you know, twists and turns and dangers that he could have avoided if he just wasn't interested in her. Yeah. In the film, in Park (laughs) chan Works adaptation, uh, Odaisu finds out that not only was the girl that he fell in love with after leaving the prison was hypnotized... But also that he was hypnotized to fall in love with her because the antagonist wanted (laughs) Odaisu to basically have a sexual relationship with his own daughter. Because it's basically revealed that the woman that he met after leaving prison is his daughter hypnotized to forget that they're related. Because Uh the antagonists
1: wants him to feel the same shame yes. that he felt when his having an incestuous relationship.
0: Yeah, because in, again, in the Parchin look adaptation, he thought it'd be better if, oh, what if the antagonist had an incestuous relationship with his sister? <laughs> and what if oh, Odaisu saw that and misinterpreted it and basically told his best friend, and his best friend said, oh, this girl's a slut, and she got so scared about it that she ultimately just ended her life because she didn't want... Her brother to be found as the person she was sleeping with, yeah. And so he decided, "Oh, I'm going to spend." I think it's like he basically gets adopted or goes to school in Europe, basically gets a degree in finance, saves up all these funds just to fuck with Odaisu, yeah, and to to basically this this criminal organization to to trick him into fucking his own daughter. So, basically, he's stuck in the same conundrum in some way, shape, or form as yeah. uh, the, the antagonist Wu Jin was in when he was in high school. Yeah. The first time you see that, or you just even, because, again, I mean, I don't think you fully have told me how your kind of response was to this. But I remember when I saw this for the first time, I think right before the reveal happens, my brain clicked it together, and then mm-hmm. my mouth went, no. It can't go that far because that is a level of fucked up I don't think I've ever seen any film commit to. And then it commits to it. Uh And then it gets worse because ultimately (laughs) the film, (laughs) all these things that you think like, yeah, you think he's going to still get his comeuppance on Woojin. You think, oh, Daisu's going to win against Woojin. And he doesn't. Woojin just shoots himself (laughs) (laughs) and basically takes away whatever satisfaction Odaisu could have gotten by killing him. Right. Leaving Odaisu with the conundrum of, well, your vengeance has now led you down a path where you have two options. You can either tell your daughter about your relationship and then it'll be irrevocably damaged. Yeah. Or you find a way to keep it secret and wonder whether or not that's the right option for the rest of your life. Yeah. (laughs) And it's like, this is now a thousand times again i think mr i think sympathy for mr vengeance is a great film i also think this is a hundred times more fascinating look on vengeance <laughs> in terms of just like going down a path almost blindly like having blinders on not really thinking about like yeah as you go through the film and i think you even caught this even though you haven't seen this film before there's just there are moments between him and his daughter's relationship when you don't know it's his daughter yet, that it's just his girlfriend, his love interest at the time, that you were just like – you told me later, yeah, this – it felt really fast, mm-hmm. and it felt odd because it's, like, literally the first woman he sees outside of, yeah, you know, maybe and, the old lady in the elevator when he wakes up. They have, like, and, immediate chemistry. And yeah. they say they're in love with each other. Yeah. And then it's revealed it's because they were both hypnotized. Yeah. <laughs> To do that. And it's like, oh, okay, well, that's why it feels so odd. Yeah, it's kind of one of those,
1: like, even if you want to be mad at the lunacy of the reveal, you can't really because the signal, like, you know, the sign was there the whole time. Oh, it
0: also doesn't, it also helps the fact that uh, Troy Minseek, who plays Odaisu, our protagonist in this film, is fucking phenomenal. Mm -hmm. Like, the fact that he has two scenes in this film, and the first scene in this film he plays... Odaisu in the 80s drunk right before he gets kidnapped and most of that is entirely improv and the man sells it incredibly well (laughs) it's a really long
1: scene of him drunk in a police station
0: wearing angel wings because he bought him him for his daughter he can't wait to give his daughter this present and then one of the last scenes that he has is also a scene where he basically has a monologue pleading to Woojin not to tell his daughter about the reveal because he he just doesn't know how to. He doesn't know how to figure out how to tell her in a way that yeah. isn't going to irreparably damage their relationship. Or ultimately, he might be worried that she's going to kill herself. Right. Because right. how could she live with this idea? And yeah. it's like that scene. It gets to a point where this man barks like a dog and acts like a dog to yeah, basically try to gain his to gain the antagonist trust. And quote-unquote and it's just
1: yeah just totally destroys himself yeah i mean physically too like.
0: he, he will he becomes because i think at one point in the film they describe odaisu before he gets kidnapped as a bit of a loudmouth coward yeah you don't really see a lot of that but you, all, you do see that he's a loudmouth, and then he can be belligerent when he's drunk yeah. but the coward aspect you don't really necessarily see until probably about until the reveal, because ultimately, when that reveal happens, it's almost like he reverts back into what he used to be, which is yeah. basically pleading. You've basically with seen the easy him being option.
1: John Wick the whole movie, and then yeah. oh, he's actually this little shrivelly weasel he, he, man. There's no
0: easy option. He yeah. basically finds out throughout the whole film. Oh, there's an easy option. I'm gonna find out who this guy is that is who put me in prison, and I'm gonna beat the fuck out of him. Yeah. And then once that easy option goes away. And two of the most diff- – like, literally, I think, a real Sophie's choice in terms of, like, what the fuck do you do next with this information? <laughs> he ultimately doesn't have an answer for it. I mean, ultimately, when he gets a chance, he just reverts back to being like, oh, the easy answer is just going to be I'm going to kill you. Yeah. And then he doesn't get that chance. Right. Instead, when <laughs> – because earlier in the film, it is uh, there's a moment where Jin, the antagonist, goes, like, I have a weak heart – and so yeah, I, put, think I, he gets, yeah. I put a pacemaker in my heart so that it like will stop it if well, I push has, this button. Yeah, he has like a detonator, detonator. basically that like would
1: a, that would shut off his heart if he's ever mm-hmm. in danger of being yeah tortured it's, or. It's hurt like a pocket neuralizer from. Yeah, Men so in he black. can just kill himself instantly to get out of any yeah. bad situation. So
0: he's like, I w- I'm not gonna let you kill me before you find out my plan because it just wouldn't be fun. So like I will kill myself before I let you kill me, and then at the end of the film, Wu Jin gives Odaisu the, the the detonator, and as there's this triumphant music that he's finally be able to get back at Wu Jin, he pushes the button, and the button just starts a recorder that just plays. <laughs> <laughs> his daughter moaning because yeah, he filmed there, sex. He, he taped sex he yeah. taped the sexual acts with his daughter and he is going insane it's like it gets to a point where you i think you do at a point you don't necessarily feel bad because you're like this feels so outlandishly out there like i can disassociate and i have to feel fully bad about the fact that this poor man is getting in the situation because there's no way anyone could be put in a situation like this crazy shit but at the same time it's also like fuck i'm not gonna get it i'm not gonna get a happy ending with this Mm -hmm. man this man really is not gonna get any (laughs) any yeah like kind of like semblance of peace well it's just
1: the (laughs) just such a great reversal of the entire movie you're you're with odaisu and he has built his life this this life in prison around the prospect of getting revenge yeah and only to get to the point where he can finally get it and find out that the person he wants revenge on has been plotting revenge against him the entire time yeah
0: he's he's basically he's literally had like, he has an Uno reverse card yeah. almost um, where it's like, listen, I have nothing to live for. So what better way than to live for you to have nothing to live for? Right. Yeah. And figure out how to get out of that. And I think what's cool about that too, is like with the theme of vengeance, you now have two men whose answer to what will vengeance do to you ultimately be like, honestly, I don't think I'll ever be who I was before. And I don't know if I ever want to be, but, you know, while vengeance is not the best option, it is the, it seems like the most, like, obvious one. Like, to both of them, they have yeah. the idea, that, like, they're like, does Jin's like, oh, the most obvious thing is like, I should go after the man that wronged my sister, when in actuality, he's pretty much the reason why his sister died to a degree, because they yeah. were in a sexuous relationship, and they, should, they knew better, because they right. were teenagers that knew that if they were fooling around, something could happen that could ultimately make it obvious and reparately, like, change their lives. Yeah. And so, you know, you have that. And then with Odaisu, it is the fact that, like, he just is now the, at a point where he realizes, like, he, whatever is Odaisu left as Odaisu is <laughs> not the good aspects. Whatever good aspects he has left that, left, yeah. like, a year or two, probably after the third or fourth time he tried to kill himself in prison because he tries <laughs> plenty of times. Yeah. Um, and I think that's that's fascinating. I think that's what leads the film in a way that is like, now when you watch any revenge thriller, you'll wonder if they're going to even go, not to like an incestuous length, but more of like, no, but like will they go that far yeah, will in discussing they? vengeance? Right, Because
1: most... Revenge thrillers and that sort of thing are more just built around catharsis. They're just yeah. like, like you said, it's fun to watch somebody get, you know, their righteous comeuppance and mm-hmm. get what they want when they're angry. Um, and this is, yeah, this is the antithesis of
0: yeah. that. If Mister Sympathy's response to what will vengeance give you is nothing, <laughs> yeah, only, uh, only death. Uh, old boy's answer to that is basically. It'll give you a freedom to either decide to become a normal person, maybe like how you were before, or just accept the fact that, like, if you go down this path, you might never be the same, and you'll never be able to forget the experience you've gone through this way. Yeah, it'll, which, it'll destroy you. I mean, yeah. It'll tear
1: you into a—yeah, you won't—you yeah. will absolutely be a totally different person if you survive. <laughs> yeah.
0: And it's thankfully in between all that conversation is fun, goofy gags every now and again. Yeah, And I mean, granted, there are some moments, too, that are uh, intense and there are some violent moments in terms of like outside. Yeah. Because I also think of uh, the Odaisu's fight with uh, Wujin's main henchman. Where he like stabs him in the ear oh, and it's just yeah. like intense when like yeah. the brain is shutting. like the actor who gets stabbed in the like <laughs> ear is playing brain shutting down but anger too strong incredibly well
1: yeah.
0: in the fight. Um so like there are still moments like that. And there's also <laughs> there's a severed hand at one point. Yeah. Because I think the most comical character in the whole film is his name is Park, who owns the prison basically a prison service that is like someone calls him, Hey, I want you to take this guy and keep him for fifteen years. Right. And he'll do he'll it. Do it. <laughs> and it just like no charge. It is basically like charge, but like also like no questions asked. No questions, no asked. questions yeah. asked. He's like, he paid a lot of money. So right. I'm like, why would I why would I yeah. say no? And that guy basically ultimately at one point, Odaisu believes that he can use like use Park, be like, you cut off his hand you cut off your hand for him and he made you do it. He's like Park's like, nah. Why do you think I have a new building? <laughs> I had to cut off my hand to get a new money. Mu- he paid for that building. Right. I'll will cut off both my arms and my <laughs> hands if I need to. And it's just like there's that comical bit that helps a lot. And I also think uh, the actress that plays uh, Odaisu's girlfriend, I hate slash daughter. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. She does an incredible job with what little with what pretty much. She's probably the weakest. Character, of character of the main cast. It yeah, it, mean, it's either her or Odaisu's
1: old friend. Yeah, I mean she like, doesn't herself have She's damn Yeah, she's not exactly like doesn't have a character arc exactly. No. She's more a, a device along.
0: And O'daisu's I will say chain. a lot of the early parts of the film, it's understandable as to why Odaisu does this, but like when he still hasn't trusted her, he does get a bit physical and violent at times just like tying her up Oh uh, yeah, being like i don't trust you yeah you're a fucking spy i don't he's also yeah he's also a broken uh, man who's yeah. spent the last
1: 15 years in prison yes and, and also is not blinded seen, by rage
0: he's not seen a real woman in 15 years yeah so yeah it's again it's it makes Odysseus a fascinating character is because it's like you have a character that like i think if you think of like if i'm thinking like a a six out of maybe six out of ten seven out of ten like basic american revenge thriller that you put that man in basically maybe like at at best the spike lee remake at times (laughs) uh like they're never going to address the fact that like he is going to almost be crazed about you know how technology is how certain Uh things have changed the fact that like a social interaction with a woman is not just like i'll give her a kiss while she's taking a shit like he just he doesn't really understand that like you know he has to remind himself of just like sorry my my primal impulse. yeah he has
1: become barbaric uh-huh. in his was also a,
0: there's also a great shot in the film that was not intentional where like she pushes him off and he was supposed to hit the pillow behind him but he actually knocked his head on the fucking table <laughs> And had to play that well while, like, full-blown actually hitting his head on the table. There's a lot of great (laughs) moments like that. There's also another moment, which we haven't talked about, because it is a moment that I think this film is also pretty notorious about. And that is a scene uh, revolving around an octopus. Oh, yeah. Because another thing, and it it shows just how cheeky Park Chan-wook is, because when we saw the 20th anniversary re-release in theaters, he does an intro for the film. And at one point, he basically stops talking about, like, themes of the revenge and what happens to people and just, like, every, you know, it's a great film with this and that, talking about how much fun he had making it. He basically stops the film and goes, also, if you're a fan of Octopi, this film might uh, upset you. yeah, Because there is a scene in this film where Odaisu actually uh, like eats a live octopus whole Hole, yeah. and it actually is the actor eating a live octopus so and killing it. Yeah. So, so what
1: I'm kind of unable to find out in, yes. in kind of researching that scene is okay. So like, it's pretty obvious watching it. No CGI is used. Like no, it's, 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 it's a real, octo- it's a real octopus. Um, and they obviously had to kill octopi for the scene But it seems a little bit vague as to whether – because octopi are kind of infamous for moving around after death. Like, there Uh are Asian dishes where you eat a whole octopus and it's still moving, but it is dead. That's
0: why a lot of people, I think, are freaked out by octopus as a meal, which is
1: understandable. It's just weird nerve activity in their bodies. Um, Mm -hmm. And so what I don't know is if, you know, the octopus was live going into his mouth or if they killed it he put it in his mouth and then it was doing the nerve activity
0: stuff. The, so that, this this is fascinating know. because the little I've heard, because it could go either way. Yeah. I What I've heard, because this makes, I think just shows the differences between like an American production crew who would, yeah. would just, this would be full CG. They would never <laughs> it wouldn't touch and, it. And I bet it's full CG or just a fake, the fake is yeah, fucking know. octopus problem. Because I've never actually seen the Spike Lee Media, remake. Yeah. Nor do I really have any intention of. Because <laughs> I think you also... Uh, cannot get that anywhere. I think they oh, just really? yeah. You might be able to rent it, but I don't think you can yeah. buy it. Uh, f- like unless you want to buy it used. Yeah. Um. But what I was told is that uh, the main actor, um, Choi yeah. yeah, Choi Min Sik, uh, was a Buddhist. Yeah. And yeah, I was he, like, told. Prayed. Yeah, I I was told not only did he pray, but I think they had a Buddhist monk on hand who also helped pray for the soul of each octopus, because apparently they went through four.
1: Yeah. They used like a total yeah, of four, four octopus
0: of and it, there is a Korean dish that does involve serving a live octopus but they usually cut it before kill it before kill it before you you eat it yeah. so it could be what you say where it's like they kill it right before he eats it right. I could also see being a method actor and a sure. and a professional in his like in his mind and someone's asking him to eat a live octopus yeah. go full blown maybe the first take second take actually doing it. Yeah, And I can see, like, there is a shot of him when he, he passes out when he eats an octopus. And there's just a little thing moving in his mouth. I can see that being, like, it's dead. The yeah. nerve. Like, let's put that yeah. in his mouth while that happens. But, yeah, I, I got to say, if the Hammer gets a 20th anniversary re-release poster, the octopus deserves it. <laughs> they deserve it, too. Because they yeah. are they are another star of the show. Because every time I see that scene, I'm like, God, it's just fucking gnarly.
1: Yeah. Every
0: time. And it's it, it just goes full-blown right it just commits to it um but yeah old boy is is something else it is really a film that like i would even say before they even decided to even think about remaking it and actually remaking it i just think it's a film that like while it is almost become a meme in a in a a kind of a film nerd circle in terms of like oh this is a game changer this is this one of the best films ever made well, I would even say it's not even the best that Park Chan Wook has made. I will argue that, like, I think this is an important film in terms of introducing international film cinema to people who thought yeah. that they, you know, they couldn't watch it or they couldn't read subtitles and watch a film and be invested sure. at the same time. And it's also funny too because it's like, I mean, they probably could have also watched the dub to this film because I've actually seen I've seen We've this seen film dub. dub. Actually, I think I watched this film first as a dub. Oh. I thought like, oh, you know, like anime dubs are pretty good. Like yeah, yeah. the dub for this film is not good. But a lot they, of live
1: they... action dub's not so good. No, it's yeah. not it's not great. It's also yeah. the
0: fact that like I think Wu Jin's dub actor I remember being a really good but like when Odaisu like at the very end when he gets into the scene where he has to bark <laughs> it really is dissociating in a comical separation. sense. Yeah. Yes. It's uh, it can't really do as, it can't do that scene justice like Toy Ming can do. Yeah. And Ultimately, like, I think, especially now after, you know, it's been years since Parasite won Best Picture, but still, after that, I think it shows that, like, it's films like Old Boy and other, like, you know, The Man Who Left Nowhere and, uh, like, you know, Memories of Murder, Host, like, other Korean directors that have pushed the boundary of, like, introducing more, you know, international cinema to more markets, I think, has helped now, nowadays. Yeah. You know, the fact that last year, Mubi, a a company that has mainly just done streaming for, like, independent, artsy, very, you know, uh, I would say cult classic-y kind of films sometimes basically broke the mold in terms of going from that to being a distribution company by buying the Rice's decision to leave and putting it in theaters. Right. And I think that just shows just how much Parks and Wook is, you know, his kind of uh, fame has changed since being the oh, he's the guy that did old boy. To basically, yeah. being like, no, this man, like, because of old boy, has now been able to do much more good shit as well as more mm-hmm. interesting stuff, depending on what you're looking for. But yeah, I think old. I mean, I think old boy has held up well. I think it's yeah. still pretty great. Um, I still, I'm glad that you enjoyed it because I was curious about how you were going to be like seeing the full film in its entirety <laughs> and. You know, yeah. After seeing Mr. Vengeance, wondering where you're going to lay on the scale.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, the biggest thing, the biggest surprise about it was that it wasn't as, you know, I almost can't believe I'm saying this, it wasn't as dark and violent as I was expecting. Probably just because I had already seen sympathy for Mr. Vengeance. And I mean, Again, among yeah. all sorts of other things, you know, I'm 28 years old, I've seen a lot of shit. A lot of people saw this in their teens, yeah. Um, and this is gonna hit like a truck if you're a 17 year old watching a Korean movie for the first yeah. time or whatever. If, like, if, if
0: you're you know. like me, when you think of like international Asian cinema, being like Jackie Chan, Kung Fu Hustle, <laughs> yeah, or like animation, right? Uh, going into this, yeah, it's, it really yeah, does. World. Yeah, it does mellow the vibe in a way that yeah. is like how. Yeah, how many films are like this that I've never seen before? Right. And well, and yeah. it's it's also just the classic
1: dilemma of like, you hear so much about a movie for so long that it it can never possibly Live be up. everything that everyone said about it. And oh yeah, yeah, it is. I mean, it is that like old. Bo- it's a phenomenal movie. Um, and I I loved I'm happy to hear loved that. experiencing it in a theater. I'm really yeah. glad I got to have that as my first experience. Um,
0: yes, even even yeah. though that it was 11 p.m. when the film finished, and then it's like <laughs> and now it's time for Nicholas Wayne Reffin to talk to Park John Willing. and It's like and just okay, be awkward as awkwardest. Yeah, might as well do this. Yeah, I might as well do this now. But yeah, old boy, because we I didn't talk about much with Mr. Vengeance. Mr. Vengeance wasn't well received critically. There were a lot of people that didn't enjoy it, and I do yeah. think. Box office-wise, of course, not going to hit the same place as joint security area. So, no. like, pretty low budget, but, like, uh, pretty low box office. But, like, people, like, lambasted, Koreans critics lambasted Mr. Vengeance. Yeah. And were basically like, Wow. This guy clearly has obvious talent, but, like, it's not for the good – it's not for a good film it's kind so of stuff. It's so bleak, yeah. Yeah, it's so – like, it feels bleak just to be bleak. Right. And stuff like which is honestly – I can see that argument, especially back then. Old Boy, on the other hand – People are prudes. It's a, it's a fucking hit. Old Boy's a hit. Old Boy – again, I don't think it hits the same length as joint security area, but in terms mm. of that, when people think of Park Chun-Wook, it is in joint security area. It is because yeah. of Old Boy. Yeah. So of course when you have that going and it literally is like back to back years of having a film, you have a little bit of a break until we get to our third and final film in this trilogy, uh, Lady Vengeance. And this is the one that I think we both would probably knew the least about. Yeah. Because again, I think with Sympathy, even though I didn't hadn't seen many scenes of that film, I at least was aware of like, oh, this is the start of the Vengeance trilogy with Old Boy, yeah. and there's a little bit more kind of tied to it because it's like people will be like, this is where it kind of all started with Vengeance and Park Chan Wook, and then with Lady Vengeance, it's like, and this is how it ends. Like, there's <laughs> not really much conversation about like the actual plots themselves, and I think that actually yeah, right. makes it a lot better going into Mr. Vengeance yeah. and Lady Vengeance because it's like. What the fuck else do you know about this other than, like, the log line the film gives you? Because, like, the premise of Lady Vengeance is basically a woman is wrongly convicted of killing a child. She is sent to prison for 13 years, gets out of that prison, and basically seeks revenge against the man who actually killed the kid.
1: Which sounds deceptively from the, like, similar to Old Boy. But it's it's does. a very different type of it's movie. It's
0: very <laughs> different. It also is great... Telling, saying that out loud because you're probably thinking like Logan, why the fuck would you tell me that? Maybe I should go in blind. The best part about a director like Park Chan Wook is that even though I knew that going into the film in terms of what the film is, the film still fucks with you into thinking that that's not what the premise is going to be because the film is mysterious for the first like 30 minutes or so. Yeah. It is holding its cards until about like the 45 minute mark. You go, oh wait. I'm starting to piece this all together, and the film just outright tells you, like, in case you don't know, this is what this film like this is why she did what she did. and it's like, oh hell, yeah, I'm a hundred percent down for this, yeah, and then yeah. you realize that's only the first hour and you're like, that is even better. Give yeah. me more. <laughs> and it's like, like Andy said earlier in the in the pod in the pod, this is not this is probably the lightest, quote unquote of the vengeance trilogy in terms of like sadness yeah it's the depressing kind of material it's still got that stuff in it
1: it is and it
0: really shows because i could describe the fact that there is a there is a shot of a man (laughs) kicking a chair under uh someone who is not an adult who is hanging by a thread and thankfully you don't see the full body and they also don't show the shot happen but it's like at this point in this trilogy when you get to that point you just go oh damn I don't think they could surprise me like that. Yeah. Well, I'm glad they did that, because it really does add some more intensity to this moment. (laughs) Yeah. And, Um, uh... But I... Yeah, I do... I think this
1: is... Lady Vengeance is almost kind of going off what I said earlier about it being kind of the least, yeah, uh, perverse, depressing. Intense, maybe? Yeah, intense. It's also... I think in a way, kind of the most optimistic attitude about vengeance
0: and the kind of
1: necessity of it or the role it plays in life in in the world. Mm -hmm. Um, And in a way, this is not my favorite of the trilogy, but I think it is maybe Park Chan-wook's most kind of mature articulation of his feelings on yeah, vengeance no i agree I, I think the first two you know and i don't mean this as a criticism are are you know they they lean into kind of almost exploitative realms to kind of discuss you know mm-hmm. uh, you want to get revenge well fuck you you know it sucks um, yes yeah. and this one is a little bit more even-handed about something that is like a concept that is Kind of universally seen as bad, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I, and it's kind of like, well, but actually, let's let's take a look at this.
0: Yeah, it, it almost feels like uh, if there's like one word I could describe each one of these films in terms of how it handles vengeance. I think Mr. Vengeance is consequences. It yeah. Deals with the consequences of acts and our responses to acts and our consequences surrounding those. Old Boy is choice. Yeah. Because ultimately it's a film about a lack of choice of time as well as given the choice, what would you do in the situation? And well, also the
1: kind of the the foolishness and arrogance yes, of vengeance. Yes.
0: yeah, uh, Almost, yeah, the romanticized version of it and how silly it is to yeah. have that romanticized version of vengeance in your brain. And to me, the way I would describe Lady Vengeance is easy. Atonement. Yeah, It's a film that is about a woman who knows she is not a good person but is trying her best to be a better person to hopefully atone for a a past mistake or
1: at least be some kind of force for Mm -hmm. positive influence even if it's at her own expense or like at her own moral degradation
0: no i agree kind of yeah I, i also was like i agree with you that i think this is his most mature film of the trio because it's like going into this film this is also a film that has i would say a majority female cast yeah and after seeing mr and old boy again you know as much as again i think Parchon was a phenomenal act a phenomenal director and ultimately later in his career he would make in my opinion probably one of the best like lgbtq like films that i don't think anyone would have expected from him that people bring up but like When I thought about how they showed sex scenes and sexuality in Mr. Vengeance and Old Boy, I was worried a little bit that Lady Vengeance might... It is a film with the male gaze. How hard is this male gaze going to go? And thank God it's more mature. It handles it incredibly well. And the one scene that has what could be an egregious sex scene early in the film, it's just a hard cut. It just cuts. It goes from, like, the preparation of said scene after the act has happened. There is a sex scene in the film, but it is, I do think, shows an importance of uh, a dynamic in terms of introducing a character a little bit more and also showing more of our lead's plan. Right. And ultimately, yeah, this this was a, a pleasant surprise out of the three of them. I was super glad that I wasn't in the pits of despair <laughs> until like until about halfway through the film, there is a scene. This is probably the only scene I was kind of a little bit aware of, which is basically our lead by halfway through this film has it's revealed. She already knows where the killer is of the, yeah. of the boy that she was accused of. He, she already has someone uh, basically Living with him as like almost like I think just as a girlfriend, yeah. Basically, has a spy, and ultimately has a plan to entrap him, and does. Yeah. And she so technically halfway through the film, she it's almost kind of a c-
1: completes her goal. Yeah, she
0: succeeds, <laughs> and so you're thinking like, what's the other half? Everything's got to go wrong. Yeah. Until you, she realizes that the boy that she was accused of killing that that man actually killed, played by the same actor who plays Odaisu and right, Old Boy. Right. Um, also does a phenomenal job in Lady Vengeance, um, he also, instead of just killing one boy by accident, he's, he's just... actually a serial killer yeah. of children. Yeah. And so the ha- back half of the film ends up becoming her deciding to be not only her own vengeance against this man, but also... The harbinger of vengeance <laughs> for the families that yeah. lost their children because of this man. Right. And this leads to a scene. <laughs> probably the most I would say if I asked anyone about Lady Vengeance, they knew about it, this would be, I guess, the closest to the hammer scene. Yeah. To a hallway scene, where basically all of the parents are brought into a room and the lead herself shows them tapes of the killer either killing their kids yeah. or making ransom, basically showing them evidence that she was not involved in the killing of that first kid as well as now she has the killer and that this shows that he did this to your Yeah to your loved one, to your child. And then the and the rest of the film ends up being the dilemma amongst the parents. Of like, yeah, what do we do with this guy? And that was so not what I was expecting the film to go, <laughs> and I fucking loved that because yeah. I think it works incredibly well. It works well with the idea of atonement in terms of the lead, who she does an incredible job, and she's also apparently in joint security area. So of course she's another Park and Wook yeah. kind of uh, actress, and you know, reg- hopefully she's a regular because I'd love to see her in other stuff with him as the director, but. She does an incredible job of just if, you know, Ryu does a good job of conveying a lot of his, you know, sadness, anger and madness and sympathy for Mr. Vengeance through his face. And Odaisu is just an incredible all around character who just like conveys everything you would want in a revenge thriller character as well as conveying the bad parts of a character like that. I think the character I think is it is it Sima is it uh ja, Sima Ju or Sima Ja? Uh um, which which one? The actress the lead in Lady Vengeance um
1: Lee Young Ai, I think. Yes. Is her name? Uh, yeah.
0: She conveys a woman that is uh is aware of where she is in basically society at this point. Mm-hmm. You see her when she has to lie about killing the kid, you see her play a part to basically, ultimately save her daughter from dying because basically the killer goes, hey, take the blame or I kill your kid. So she takes the blame and basically puts on an act that is so obvious, but clearly they wanna find somebody to atone for this so Mm -hmm. they'll literally be punished for this. They take her, cut to her being in prison where she takes on the idea of a, almost a pseudo-religious figure in prison of <laughs> redemption and yeah. purity. Yeah. And ultimately, once she gets out of prison, that was just an act to just basically get through prison easier. Right, right. To they the point call of,
1: her uh, kind-hearted gumja.
0: Yeah, kind-hearted. the kind-hearted woman as well as the witch yeah. amongst her close-knit because, group.
1: Right, right, because she would use her kind-hearted demeanor to... Mm-hmm. Yeah, get underneath people and fuck I, them over. I would
0: also say this is probably the best ensemble of the three films. Again, yeah, I think all three films yeah. have incredible ensembles, but I do think with this one, I love almost... I think like in a weird sense, if you're out there and you at one point liked Orange is the New Black in some way, shape, or form, I think <laughs> there is a like an yeah. element to that in this film where it's like basically all of her close friends that are a part of said plan are her inmates that were, like, basically living with her at certain points during her 13-year stay. Yeah, she just, like, goes back
1: and recruits all of them after prison.
0: It's phenomenal. And even when they get out of prison before, they're basically working for her almost. (laughs) And it's great. It's so well done, and it adds so much more depth in terms of her care, like, the lead as, you know, this mastermind, but also makes you think, like, is she kind of a bad person with how she's using these people and also the fact that like she is not averse to like playing up the I killed a kid persona yeah. just to push people away is like is she really is there more to this is she more involved than she's letting on to and in course you find out that she did in fact she helped kidnap the kid but she didn't kill the kid Yeah. She was basically she was told which is funny too because basically what she's told in this is what uh reuse lover and mr vengeance brings up where it's like there are good kidnappings and there are bad kidnappings (laughs) yeah yeah good kidnappings are you take a kid for a few days they miss them so much they pay back you give them the kid everyone's happy right in fact why would they care about the money because they have their kid back bad kidnappings are the kid dies (laughs) Right, right and so in mr vengeance you see a bad kidnapping because an accident leads the kid to die. Well, as in Lady Vengeance, it's a bad kidnapping because it turns out the guy that was telling our lead about the good and bad versions of kidnappings ultimately was just like, I'll kill the fucking kid. Yeah. And just used it as a excuse to give in to the monster inside him. Right. Oh, God. Well, how did you feel when it was revealed as to why he killed all those kids and did the ransoms? that was fucking that shocked the shit out of me (laughs) and was also like this is fucked up (laughs) yeah
1: it that is the absolutely the kind of the darkest point of the movie of just like oh we're we're dealing with this isn't like a guy who's you know temper got the best of him and he did a horrible thing it's like this is a fucking monster he yeah he goes (laughs) he just gets when he's he's a teacher Of children, he teaches English, and when a child annoys him in class, he kidnaps them, tortures them, and murders them to get rid of them.
0: He also rantses them off to his to the parents. Yeah. And kills the kid before he gets the ransom right. because he just wants he just wants to be a fucked up piece of shit. Yeah, he
1: just wants to kill the
0: kids. He also doesn't kill kids in his class. It actually is implied. He actually they say out loud. He finds kids in other classes yeah, that yeah. annoy him. Yeah, just to make it seem less like it's him. Right. And then he basically leaves the next year and goes on to another school that does the same yeah, thing. And yeah. what's also fascinating too is like this the scene where the parents are uh, introduced into the story uh, a lot of those actors and actresses are in the other two films so it's like wild to see them come yeah. back in actually the there's one dad it's it's not implied that all the families are affluent but like there's one family where it's just a husband it's just a dad and a sister and it's clear that like they are poor. They don't have a place to live. They might even be homeless because they basically had to give up everything for the ransom money that ultimately went to the killer and not get their son back, get the kid's son slash brother back. And that actor is played by the same guy that works for the communist in the first film that actually stabs Song Kang-ho at the end, as well as he's the same actor that holds the poodle who tries to kill himself, an old boy, and ultimately does kill himself because odaisu doesn't want to hear his story yeah so like to see that actor come back again and i think give a small but phenomenal performance like it's he has actually i would say one of the best comedic bits in the film when all the parents are deciding they're gonna all have their own comeuppance against the serial killer yeah yeah And he just sits in a chair next to everybody else, and all wearing plastic, (laughs) because I think Park John Wilkes is sick son of a bitch with a sick sense of humor, and I love that. They're all wearing ponchos. Yes, but the fact that like he has like what looks like a nightstick, and they go, "Is that all you're using?" And then he pulls out the other end of a hatchet. Yeah, it's a double-bladed, like a double-bladed axe. (laughs) Yeah, and he just like he just screws it on. Yeah, and everyone else is like pulls back a little bit the fact that he had that prepped. (laughs) Uh, he has, I think that's one of the best moments, uh, comedically in a film that's pretty dour at that point, but like, yeah. yeah, as, as a film, what Lady Vengeance gives you is I think a nice, uh, finality in terms of the answer to what can vengeance bring you. Is ultimately like, ultimately it can lead you down a path that if you play it wisely, you could it can lead to you wanting to be a better person and actually work towards it finding a way to harness that anger and frustration and vengeance in a way to help other people as well as help yourself but also right figure out what's the best way to change and get better from here
1: yeah it's a it's an Ugly destructive path toward justice yes. but it can achieve justice.
0: <laughs> I fucking love at the end of this film when she sees the it's it's the grown impo- up version. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you, you know who plays the grown it's, up version? Uh, Wu Jin. Wu Jin, yeah. Woo Jin from Old Boy, which is wild when I saw his <laughs> that man's beautiful, smooth face. Yeah. Just like, oh my god, he plays the kid. Yeah. But basically, throughout the film, um, there's a moment early in the film where the lead's daughter, Jenny, sees a ghostly kid, and it's and it's implied and actually it's outright said that it is the ghost of the child that uh, the lead helped kidnap, yeah. and so it's the reason why she's on this journey is to make amends and atone for what led to his death. And at the end of the film, after the killer has been Killed. He has been. He has been slaughtered. Yeah. At this point, they've buried the body. Right. No one's ever gonna find him, and no one's ever gonna talk <laughs> about it because they took a picture with all of them sitting there with ponchos. Um, no one's gonna talk about it. Everyone almost feels a little bit more at ease. Yeah. Because they actually got a bit of almost catharsis, being yeah. able to take like you know attack and basically fight against the man that ruined their lives. Right when the lead basically almost tries to give herself the same atonement um the kid doesn't give it to her which i think is phenomenal i think in like again it's in i if you did an american version of this film at that moment the kid would be like yes all is forgiven yeah. don't worry it's all it's all good now i'm in heaven bye when like in reality the film goes no if i was alive now i'd be an adult yeah. and i will still in her head, whether you want to see the angel, like, the the ghost child is, like, real or not, or if she's just, like, imagining it. Yeah. um, It's basically just, like, at a certain point, it's like, I'm not alive yeah, she indirectly because of you.
1: Yeah, nothing she does can change
0: the fact that the kid
1: is dead and yeah. never got to live his life.
0: And can't change the fact that she's always going to have responsibility yeah, for that. And hate herself for having some responsibility. Yeah. But that leads to the best part, I that leads to, I think, the best ending of all three of these films, which is basically her knowing she doesn't deserve, deserve atonement, or at least believe she doesn't deserve atonement, but she goes for it anyway. Yeah. She She accepts the fact that she will never be, you know, this vengeance doesn't, you know, wipe her slate clean, but that doesn't mean she can't fight for redemption and fight for a life that she could have had, had things gone better. Yeah. And I, honest to God, with a trilogy like this, this is, like, the best way this could go. (laughs) Yeah. And honestly, it was better than I thought it was going to go. (laughs) Right, yeah. So to end on that note, it was just, like... Ultimately optimistic. Yeah. It was so good. And I also loved other old boy actors who show up in the film. Like, Park and Old Boy shows up as a baker with, I believe... uh, like, he has a limp and possibly Parkinson's to a degree because that's yeah. a little bit of a shake and talks about how, like, basically he's involved in the story because he gives the protagonist a job because when he was doing classes with prisoners, he tried one of her cakes and said, like, even though these ingredients are shit, you made the best thing I've ever tasted <laughs> in my life. And was like, I'm almost indebted to you because you gave me almost a resurgence in the love of passion of yeah. building cakes and yeah. whatnot. You have him. You have uh, the Preacher. God. The Preacher character in Lady Vengeance, like the uh, the guy that like helps her atone, per se, and is always uh, there. Yeah. That's the guy with white hair that Odaisu fights at the end of Old Boy. Oh, okay. <laughs> and his shitty, bowl-cut hair yeah. is so fucking funny. <laughs> and that guy handles it so well. Uh, I think also one of the... One of the hairdresser or like one of the inmates that uh, the lead gets the lead befriends and ultimately helps her with her plan is I believe the hairdresser that tells Odaisu about Wujin's sister. Oh okay. yeah, so like there's other yeah. there's other actors that show up at Old Boy that come back. Yeah. And also there is a scene where two assassins attack our protagonist and she wins and those two assassins are played by the actor that plays Ryu in Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance in Song Kong Ho. Oh, okay. In a very in very yeah. small roles. Yeah. But like it's fun to see them just be like, oh, you're just popping up for a little moment. <laughs> That's fun. That's cool for you. Especially since like I think a year after this, like Song Kong Ho is in the host. So yeah. it like, starts to be more in Bongju like, I mean he's already done Memories of Murder at this point, but it's like he's just gonna be like back to back stuff. Right. But yeah, when it comes to the Vengeance trilogy, it is a it is a trilogy that like it is not bullshitting you with the title. It is a tril- a trio of films that cover the topic of vengeance in three vastly different ways. Yeah. But honestly, they're three vastly different ways that are worth watching. Like, yeah. Really. Yeah.
1: Brilliant deconstructions of vengeance.
0: Yeah. Um, and I'm glad we're finally able to do this because, like, it was fun to. It's a long time coming. It was honestly, yeah, and the perfect time to do it. And
1: this has been, you know, uh, the kind of did you know old boy was part of a trilogy Has kind of like been in the DNA of the podcast ever since it's conceit. Um, Yeah. Just kind of that's, that's kind of what we're going for is like, uh, you know, we want to, we want to explore the, the trios of films you didn't know were trios or the, the the connections between films you didn't know were there. Mm -hmm. Um, And this is just a great example of how, movies can be connected through means other
0: than yeah numbers or titles or (laughs) plot um yeah the idea that a trilogy where each entry can stand on its own but as a whole yeah gives it's gives i would say each installment even more context in terms of a creator's like relationship with the idea yeah yeah and i think that's the most, that's, yeah, that's why odd trilogies exist, is ideas like that where it's like, that's fucking weird. But <laughs> yeah. I'd love to see, like, yeah, but I'd love to watch it. So, yeah, yeah oh, that's
1: the Vengeance trilogy. You know, uh, if we're if we're talking, um, you know, people who return from one movie to another can't go without praising uh, Kim Sang-bum, the editor, on all three of these uh, films. And yes. actually, I think maybe on all of um, Park Chan-wook's movies, at least from... Uh, sympathy onward because mm-hmm. he edited Decision to Leave last year as well
0: um, <laughs> oh my god I- again also yeah if this is anything if this just introduces if someone's listening out there and is like these all sound like interesting films I only have the stomach for one of them totally fine I think we both would recommend Old Boy out of the three of these Sure. but if anything we just want this to also be kind of like a pseudo Rise of Park Chan Wook trilogy in terms of like <laughs> watch this guy yeah, because yeah. the man has, the man at this point I think has seven, eight, maybe up to ten films, but you can't find his first two films anywhere. Yeah. yeah. Um. He also has uh, a AMC BBC television series that has Florence Pugh way be like right before she gets big. Uh-huh. There's an American film with uh, Nicole Kidman that he directed. Yeah. Written by one of the guys that is the lead actor and pr- like one of the lead actors in Prison Break. Yeah. <laughs> They, like, he has such a fascinating career and it's interesting. He's also, I think we talked about this off mic a, a while ago, but like there is a Max original series that has Robert Downey Jr. in it that is based yeah, off of a novel. The Sympathizer. Yes, which has Park chan I think doing three of the six Yeah, episodes? I think he's
1: like kind of show running and then directing yeah half Which, of the episodes
0: hundred percent all down as soon um, as i heard park chan wook robert downey jr yeah. i was like i can't wait to see what that would look like
1: yeah right um, um but yeah uh yeah to kim sang bum i just want to sing sing yes. his, his praises for a minute because like i mean seeing decision to leave last year um that is one of the best like examples like the best demonstrations of the power of editing that uh, yes. maybe I've ever seen, 100%. Um, at, you know, editing kind of famous for being like the, the invisible art form, the, you know, casually watching a movie, mm. you're not going to notice the yeah. edit. And that's the idea is that the movie keeps you within its sphere and you don't notice the seams. Um, yeah. but, uh, these three movies, particularly Lady Vengeance, are like a masterclass in editing. Oh my and, god! Uh, yes, I feel like if you if you want to be able to see the invisible wall and and take a look at how the the cutting and the piecing together of a film informs the meaning and the DNA of it, like what? watch any of Park Chan Wook's movies, but especially Old Boy, Lady Vengeance, Decision to Leave. Kim Sang bum is just a master.
0: Yeah, I mean, sympathy for Mr. vengeance which is also great too, is the yeah. fact that like it is the lowest budget of the three films, but you see the DNA of what ultimately leads to a bunch of phenomenal shots in both Old Boy and Lady Vengeance. and It is recency bias because I mean, it's the one that I have just seen, but Lady Vengeance has the scene that sticks out to me editing wise that I love the most is the scene where the protagonist is talking to Jenny through the serial killer because yeah. he knows English. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the way that they edit that scene as it goes on is masterful. It is – it feels – it it almost feels unique and new but also classical. Yeah. Almost like something yeah. you – like watching like Citizen Kane right, or right. like an older film where it's Orson like how the f- – yeah. yeah, it's like how the fuck did you even – even process that in your brain that you could do that
1: yeah how do you yeah. conceive of that
0: and in and all credit yeah a lot of that credit goes to the editor and how I mean the best way i could ever s- describe the satisfaction of like a great edit is like if you're spreading butter on a piece of toast and there's no resistance <laughs> like it's the smoothest thing you've ever yeah. done like it is like it is like the little satisfactions throughout a day where it's like that was perfect like yeah. and it's like with editing it's like having a film like a, a perfect film should be like nearly almost every scene is like oh that's just the right place to cut yeah it. that's the like those, right place to do these videos
1: and... you scroll past of just like satisfying things yes yeah it's like yeah. that every great edit is just satisfying <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. it is and park Chan wook's films absolutely props to that editor yeah, yeah say the name again because i don't bum or kim song bum kim song bum because i did not want to Butcher the name until yeah. I asked for it, but yes, absolutely. Credit to the editor, hundred percent. Decision to leave deserved nominations and fucking wins of the Oscars. Yeah, that's a
1: movie I want to rewatch.
0: Yes, well, sure. I think I don't know if you have talked about it on the you talked about it on the podcast. I think because of our top tens, but yeah. you went into it a, after proposing to your fiance. Yeah, it was, it was like a the, lot. The
1: morning after a. <laughs> rager of a party wherein i yeah <laughs> proposed to my um, it's a lot soon to be wife and yeah it, yeah it was just yeah i was not ready to process that movie but even mm-hmm. even in my kind of muddled state the the editing of that movie just blew me away
0: yeah so i i watched sympathy by my i watched mr vengeance by myself but i watched mm-hmm. lady vengeance with one of my roommates and He the the best way he could put it is like this is his introduction to Park chun Wook. He just went like, "Wow, that's a lot. That's a lot of detail. I like that a lot, but that's a lot of detail. It's like, yeah, that is if you want to think of a detail. Yeah, a detail-oriented man. (laughs) Like apparently, also a detail-oriented man. That if you don't." Like, you get more out of knowing the Korean language because of how he uses that in his films. Yeah. Because, again, I think Decision to Leave is a perfect film. I love that film. But also, I've heard... I'd probably think it's 11 out of 10 if I knew Korean. Because there's yeah. apparently a lot of uh, sentence structure, colloquial kind of joke, right. like cultural that, jokes. That is and- kind
1: of a... You know, I mean, it's not that sad. But it is kind of a sad reality just of... You know, the difference of languages is that there yeah. are some things that can't be communicated through translation. Like, mm-hmm. you have to know the language in order to fully appreciate the fine details yeah. of uh, of what's being said. But, yeah, I, I can totally see how somebody like Park Chan-wook is making every use of every word.
0: Yes, yes. It also makes me finally understand, oh, I bet this is how other countries feel when they watch an American film and they don't know how to like turn a joke into like this yeah or i that, mean that's and... there's
1: the, uh, there's so many reasons why mm-hmm. movies don't break out in other countries yeah. you know it's because it's you know language is really baked into culture and culture baked into language
0: what um mm. and... yeah one of my favorite shows is japanese and like apparently what showed a really good translation is like not even like a full-blown literal translation because, like, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, yeah. So, like, you have to find, like, apparently in the show... other ways to express the
1: idea that they're getting at. Yeah,
0: because, like, in the show, I think it was, like, in the original Japanese, it was referring to an old defunct drink that no one would know in the States. Yeah. And so in the dub, they refer to Crystal Pepsi. (laughs) Right, right. And it's like, that's actually... The closest analog. Yeah, and it actually works incredibly well. Sometimes I,
1: I feel like professional, you know, translators who work on particularly on media you know translating media have to be like geniuses to be able God. to like a pick up on the subtext of what's mm-hmm. being said in the native language and then uh, figure out a way to communicate that in a new oh, language yeah. wherein there's no actual translation they're I, like I, you know
0: I bet a dub translator s- and a dub screenwriter have the most fun when they're giving yeah they're the most freedom to yeah. figure out. How do you turn this into something an American would understand? And they say, you know, people who
1: understand multiple languages fluently think in a totally different way. And I believe it Yeah, because it's like you Mm -hmm. just the the neural connections you have in your brain. If you can think in multiple languages, it's just crazy.
0: It is. But again, this is the Vengeance Trilogy. I'm glad you all listened. I'm glad we're finally able to do this. I can't wait to do more. Uh, trilogies about Asian American or Asian American Asian cinema. <laughs> Good lord. I was like, Honorary American. I would love Parchin to do I would work. love to do Asian American cinema trilogies, <laughs> but I don't know if there's a lot of those. Yeah, we might have to uh, dig for that. But um before we do another one of our passion trilogies that we'd like to do, we thought it'd be fun to do something a little bit lighter, a little bit more fun, maybe more current in current terms of and yeah. also something that like takes the idea of like almost a revenge thriller and goes let's just have fun let's with just it do that so we're deciding our next trilogy which will be out september 9th mm-hmm. we are going to be doing the equalizer trilogy
1: yes the denzel washington in his later years leading an action franchise
0: yeah i would say the quint this will be the quintessential dad trilogy yeah because this is like a film that like your dad would be like have you seen Right, this good right, film and right. it's like yeah 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 I mean I've heard of it yeah. but now there's 3 because as of September 1st <sighs> it is uh, the third equalizer is coming out so yes. we thought it'd be fun to tackle Denzel's big old trilogy that involves 2014's Equalizer or The Equalizer 2018's I believe it's just Equalizer, it's just equalizer two, 2 and then there is this year's the equal, like Equalizer 3 but it's i think it's <laughs> i think it was e3 like it's like oh, are they calling it e3 they're not calling it that but like in the marketing they have the e and the 3 oh, okay. next to each other it's one of those things where i remember what was uh, it was <laughs> it was when scream five was coming out and you wouldn't stop saying uh, five cream yeah five cream yeah they he's... really should
1: have should have been five cream so wait are they <laughs> like is the title like does it look like three equalizer I, is I, that what they're I going I think for? what
0: happens is when the title is initially introduced it is e3 and then it opens up into the oh, equalizer it expands. i think so okay yeah like yeah. in the trailer yeah, yeah so okay. we thought it would be something that was funny e3. maybe a little bit fluffier still is a, a man out for blood but it's all it's basically yeah. just denzel well
1: we've talked about denzel before yeah. so it'll be fun to go back to him
0: it, that is a man that even in his shittiest films will give you a performance you don't think this, the film deserves yeah like man, he, many he would he just, call
1: him one of our our last movie stars
0: yeah he's also a man that really wanted another oscar and so <laughs> far not yet not yet maybe but equalize a three a though oh my gosh can you, know. you imagine? Can you imagine? Uh, what do you get a producer credit? What if it wins Best Picture? <laughs> he gets a, he, he wins for producer, and someone goes, yeah. "That doesn't count." You need to do an right. actor. So he just goes back and does another yeah. film.
1: Does Macbeth too? Uh,
0: I still need to see Tragedy of Macbeth. It's good. Good. I I would hope so because yeah. that man. Yeah, I mean, he is Denzel is incredible, and I think it'll be fun to do a more. Uh, straightforward trilogy. So yeah, tune in on September 9th when we do the Equalizer Trilogy. But until then, I'm Logan Sowash. And I'm Andy Carr. Thank you so much for listening. Bye.